Vera Payne. There's been a lot of misconceptions about one natural herb that seems to fly under the radar. This herb is kratom. With all the hype controversy and misinformation on the internet, it's hard to really be sure about what it is and what it does. Senior Fellow on Public Policy for the American Kratom Association, Mac Haddow, joins me to break down kratom and the controversy behind it. Thanks for joining me, Mac. Glad to be invited. Thank you. So tell me, Mac, what is kratom? Kratom is a plant that's part of the coffee family that grows in tropical regions of the world, requires the, the tropical climate and water to grow successfully. And it is a natural plant that has been used safely in the Southeast Asia region for centuries. Wow. How did it get here? Like, how long has it been in America for? The first reported uh, uses of kratom in the United States actually occurred after the Vietnam War when our soldiers came home and they had been introduced to kratom over in Vietnam. Uh, it helped them with a boost of energy to get through long, hot days in the jungle as they fought the war. And then there was a substantial increase in the immigration of Hmong populations, where kratom has been a part of their diet for years, for centuries. Uh, and so it became a very popular uh, product to import from Southeast Asia into the United States. And it's grown significantly since then. So how do you use it? Do you drink it? Do you eat it? So kratom in Southeast Asia, you would just pick it off the plant, chew on it, or brew it into a tea. But because of the problems associated with transporting and shipping it here, because it, if it's uh, packed and shipped in any kind of moisture, then mold gets into it and, and contaminants. And so traditionally what's been done is that the leaves are dried and cleaned and then ground into a powder, and then the powder is shipped here. And then finished form kratom products would typically be the powder itself, although it's very bitter tasting, so it's not pleasant. Uh, it wouldn't be something that you would take recreationally unless you really wanted to. In order to avoid that taste, many manufacturers will make them into capsules or pills. And then there are some products that are made into shots, like a five-hour energy shot. And those have become very popular in the United States. So why would people take Kratom? Is it just something like a Red Bull, something that will get you up a little bit? Well, probably more like a cup of coffee. It gives you the energy boost and increased focus. And about a third of the Kratom-consuming population in the United States according to a scientific study uh, conducted by Dr. Oliver Grunman at the University of Florida. Another third use it because it, it has the effect at higher doses of calming you, uh, reduces anxiety, and, and actually treats depression, according to some. And then the third bucket of people that, uh, that use Kratom are those people that are struggling with addictions because they have found that at higher doses, it can help them to manage acute and chronic pain to relieve the withdrawal symptoms of people that are on opioids, for example. And that's become a very popular uh, use for it as a replacement therapy for uh, acute and chronic pain that otherwise you're trapped in the addiction cycle of using opioids and other prescription medications. Wow. So it helps with that. Does that mean it has like addictive properties in it? The interesting fact about Kratom is that you can become dependent on Kratom just like you can caffeine, but because it's a member of the coffee family, the alkaloids, when they uh, hit your brain, don't react the same as opioids. And so while it has the analgesic effects of helping to relieve pain, it doesn't create a, an addiction liability that's significant. Those studies were done by the National Institutes on Drug Abuse, two independent animal studies, which are the gold standard, that they looked at this issue and both concluded that there was no significant addiction liability. And interestingly, they found in the behavior of the test animals that there was a reduction in the cravings for morphine, which was the reference drug. 
So the animals actually preferred the kratom uh, as a way to alleviate their pain because it, you, they didn't experience those terrible side effects that come with the ingestion of morphine as a analgesic compound that's used. Okay, so why is it then, does the FDA want to ban it? It's not addictive. It helps people out. It doesn't sound like a bad thing to have. Well, it's not. And, and the FDA has had a longstanding bias against any natural product or products that are formulated like dietary supplements that are not subject to a new drug application. In the early 90s, the FDA did exactly the same thing to dietary supplements and vitamins that they're doing to Kratom today. That is that they're creating a disinformation campaign. They claim, for example, in the early 90s and leading up to the early 90s battle that dietary supplements were killing people. In fact, poorly formulated and improperly manufactured dietary supplements did result in some deaths. But the FDA has the statutory authority to enforce good manufacturing practices on the production of all of those products as they do for Kratom. They just refuse to do so because what they want is to force those products into the new drug application process, which is extremely expensive and, and takes a long time. The reason that the incentive today for the FDA to enforce a ban on Kratom, which they've tried to do a couple of times, and now they're currently engaged in an effort internationally to ban Kratom, is because they want to incentivize the pharmaceutical industry to get into this space of a non-addictive uh, pain reliever that could replace opioids. But the problem with that strategy is that until they ban the natural plant, because consumers could obviously go and get the same effects as a natural plant, largely the same effects, because obviously the pharmaceutical product would be concentrated and standardized, but they can still do the same thing. And so there's no, there's no willing participant in the new drug application process that would invest the kind of money that's required in order to get a, uh, an approval when people can go out and buy this natural plant and get the same benefits from it. Uh, and so there's the corrupt basis that the FDA tries to enforce their, their bans, either directly, which they failed to do on two occasions, uh, through a, uh, a ban at, on the Controlled Substances Act. So what they do is try to create a de facto ban, and that's why they, they banned all imports of Kratom coming into the United States on a false premise, and they tried to discourage anyone from using it, claiming that it has no approved therapeutic use. Well, that's true for thousands of dietary supplement products today. They just don't like Kratom, and so they're trying to enforce their own regulatory agenda by a false disinformation campaign that has demonized Kratom. But interestingly, the American public has reacted because the uh, Kratom consumer population in America has increased from about 3 to 5 million, which was the uh, back in 2016, which was the first attempt by the FDA to ban Kratom under the Controlled Substances Act. Today, it's a 12 to 15 million people. So as people learn about it and they experience it, uh, they're finding it has very beneficial effects, and they don't need the FDA to be stepping on them, telling them, and criminalizing them, telling them they can't use a product that's helping them. So as it stands, is Kratom classified as a controlled substance? Like, did the FDA do that, or is it just an herbal supplement as of right now? It is an herbal supplement. It is completely legal in 50, 40, 44 of the 50 states. Six states banned Kratom between 2011 and 2016 at the behest of the FDA, who told them falsely that Kratom was responsible for the deaths of nine individuals in Sweden in a 12-month period. 
which did in fact happen. Nine people did die in a 12-month period from ingesting a Kratom product, and that properly got the attention of every public health official in the world. What the FDA never tells people is that there is a peer-reviewed published article by Swedish scientists that looked at all nine of those deaths, and what they concluded was that, in fact, that Kratom product was adulterated with O-desmethyltramadol, which is the chemical used in the production of uh, tramadol, the opioid pain reliever. So while the manufacturer of that adulterated product may not have intended to kill people, it did. And we have never banned a product because it was adulterated. We go after the adulterer in that case, and that's what should have happened here. They just refuse, absolutely refuse, to take any, any rational position on this. And the FDA is hell-bent to deprive the American people of their freedom to use a product that is perfectly safe. Now, by the way, everything is dose-dependent. The standard in the science arena is that dose makes the poison. So it's possible that you could overdose on Kratom, for example, but no one has in their centuries of use in Southeast Asia, no documented case of any Kratom-only death. And here in the United States, decades of use. And the only thing the FDA can do is try to falsely claim that there are Kratom deaths. And they do that by claiming that death is attributable to Kratom if the tox screen on a decedent shows that Kratom was used by the decedent at any time prior to uh, the death of that individual, uh, and it has to be recent because Kratom doesn't stay in your bloodstream very long, and certainly does not have any toxic properties that would cause a death or to force you to overdose. The, the effects of the alkaloids of Kratom are that when it hits the mu opioid receptor in the brain, it, it has what's called a partial agonist effect, which means that the it goes to your, your pain center and it, it relieves pain, but it doesn't have the signature euphoric, reinforcing euphoric effects that lead people to addiction, and it doesn't go to your respiratory system. All of the overdose deaths that are recorded with opioids come because you literally suffocate because the opioids suppress your respiratory system. Kratom doesn't do that. No significant impact whatever uh, on the respiratory system. So the FDA falsely claims that their deaths attributable to Kratom when, in fact, it just shows that they showed up on a talk screen. Okay, so I remember Kratom when I was younger. Um, I never took it, but I do remember it was being marketed as a euphoria type of thing. And it wasn't until much later that I knew that it was more of a pain reliever. So why market it as something for euphoria when in reality it's more of like um, pain relief? In the early days, there were some uh, creative uh, chemists who mixed Kratom with other substances the only time that you'll get the kind of reinforcing high, the euphoria that's associated with the use of drugs, is if you have, you have adulterated Kratom with one of those adulterants. And for example, one of the most popular adulterants of Kratom in the United States today is fentanyl, morphine, and heroin. Because when you take it, you do get that reinforcing high. It brings people back to buy it. And so what's happened is greed in the marketplace has motivated some unscrupulous vendors of Kratom to spike their Kratom product with these illicit substances in order to get people to continue to buy it. The consumers are largely unaware that it's not pure Kratom. They buy it and they think, wow, that, that gave me a better kick than the last Kratom I bought. And so they return and buy it again. That's an abuse of the marketplace. It is a, a violation of the law. And the FDA has sufficient statutory authority to intervene. They just refuse to do so because they want to ban Kratom entirely not ban the bad actors. At the American Kratom Association, we represent consumers. We have turned in nearly 50 companies, Kratom companies, 
who are selling products that are adulterated or that are mislabeled with illegal therapeutic claims. The FDA, over the last 18 months since they've started receiving these complaints from us, hasn't issued a single warning letter, let alone stopped any of these manufacturers from producing these products or marketing their products illegally because the FDA wants to ban it. They don't want to regulate it. And that's the unfortunate outcome of an of a out-of-control agency in the federal government that stomps on the freedom of the American people to make independent choices and informed choices about their health and well-being. Now, I remember there are different ones like Manja Day or the White Boreno. I'm trying to remember just off the top of my head. Why are there different types of names? I thought it was just one thing, Kratom. The Kratom leaves, depending on when they're harvested and how they are fermented in the production of the powder, can impact the what they call white vein, red vein, and green vein kratom strengths. And those can be more potency of the alkaloids in some effects for, let's say, hypothetically, the green vein might, at the time of its harvesting and production, might, might have a stronger impact on those people seeking to have relief from anxiety. The red vein might be more potent in terms of those people seeking relief from pain and as a replacement for opioids. So these veins have become very popular in terms of specific effects that they have uh, and that people are seeking, and that's the difference in the, in the various products. They're all from the same plant. They're all from the same genetics of the plant, of it being a coffee plant, and the alkaloids are all the same. It's just the uh, potency with which it depended on the time that they're harvested and processed. Well, Mac, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you being here. And for those listening, where can they find more information about you? They can go to AmericanKratom.org or ProtectKratom.org. We're fighting every day to make sure that the FDA does not win this battle. They've currently opened a brand new battle. Twice they failed to get a scheduling under the Controlled Substances Act, and now they've gone to the U.N., and the World Health Organization in order to impose an international ban on Kratom. And if that happens, the HHS Assistant Secretary for Health in 2018 withdrew the scheduling recommendation on the basis that the FDA provide disappointingly poor evidence and science. But more importantly, he said that thousands of people would die because you would force people back on to more dangerous substances. And that's why we think people should join us in standing up to the FDA and telling the WHO and telling their lawmakers at the federal and state levels that they need to stop the FDA from their abuse of power as it relates to Kratom. This has been the Mason Vera Payne Show. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to hear more? Head to WGNRadio.com for exclusive content by Mason. Also, follow Mason on Facebook and Twitter at Mason Vera Payne. That's all one word. And don't forget to share the show with your friends.